happy Tuesday, Mona. I, I think that unless you happen to celebrate happy, happy arraignment day, <laughs> happy perp walk day. Oh, never a dull moment, Charlie. Um, not as if there isn't news for us to talk about. <laughs> yeah. June 13th, 2023. I, it'll probably get lost in everything else, but there will be at least a footnote saying this was, by the way, for students of history, the second time that a former president of the United States had to do a perp walk, but the first time that he was arraigned for a federal felony. Just kind of had never happened before, you know? You know, by the time people listen to this, they'll know what happened and what didn't happen down in Miami, but I guess let's just start off with with your thoughts about this, because as we've said so many times, this is not normal, and this would normally be the story of the year, and it'll probably be in the top 10, but I don't know. What do you think? So the arraignment part of this should not be news. Unfortunately, last time in New York, CNN and the other networks, you know, did a you know, minute by minute following of Trump's plane and his limousine and all of that as he went to New York to present himself for that arraignment, making it into a, you know, a show, which is kind of ridiculous. So this one, you know, I, I don't know. The, the risk, of course, is this is not New York City. This is Florida. And there may be violence. There may be enough Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and others who are going to show up for Trump today, maybe, that there may be unrest. We'll see. Uh, that's the risk. And that is because of what Trump has done to this country. Because with the help of a compliant Republican Party, he has turned a significant portion of the electorate into zealots who don't have respect for the rule of law, don't even believe that there's any such thing as impartial justice. They think everything is political, and they've been so propagandized that they are really dangerous. So that is where we are, but you have to go forward, obviously, in the face of that. He'll be arraigned. He'll We'll see if they actually take his fingerprints. They probably will. And, you know, by the way, he doesn't have a lawyer. Okay, this is interesting to me. As a footnote to it, that one of the questions going into this day is whether or not the former president of the United States will, in fact, be able to be arraigned because he had been unable to obtain a lawyer who was admitted to the South Florida bar. Now, think about this just for a moment. I think a lot of this entire story has to do with his attitude toward lawyers, that he doesn't think of lawyers as being, uh, you know, officers of the court who have their own ethical standards. He thinks of them as attack dogs who will, at his bidding, commit crimes to protect him, which, again, is one of the reasons why we are we are here. He wanted a Roy Cohn. Where's my Roy Cohn? Right. Yep. Well, this is also a reason why lawyers look at Donald Trump and think, first of all, he might not pay my bill. Uh, number two, that's the biggest thing. He, he'll, he'll probably destroy <laughs> my reputation. And number three, he might get me disbarred and thrown in jail because he's going to ask me to do things that I am just not going to be able to do. And if I'm not going to be able to do them, he's probably going to fire me and then still not pay me. And so he has to find some lawyer who's you know balancing, hey, my MAGA cred, and maybe uh, you know I will get all this free publicity versus the fact that. I might destroy my legal career going to work for this guy. Yeah, and th this is really poetic justice because what that means is he's probably not going to get the best representation that he could, considering his wealth. It is a fair bet. Okay, so you've written a very interesting piece, and it's it's one of those half glass, half full moments because you know, in general, the Republican Party continues to line up behind uh, Donald Trump. But as you point out, 
in the bulwark today, there's kind of a, at least a, a little bit of a vibe shift. And I said that you have some Republicans who are tentatively, slowly, carefully, just barely dipping their toes in the shallow pond of rationality. Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. So give me your sense of this vibe shift. And we'll, we'll talk about whether it's important or not. But like, what are you talking about? I mean, how how widespread is it? How many conservatives are willing to say, yeah, this guy, deep shit, very serious? Uh, quite a few, actually. Um, it's more than I expected. So first of all, you had on Fox News Sunday, no less, over the weekend, you had at least two conservatives, Bill Barr and Trey Gowdy, talking about the, well, Barr was quite specific and even um, eloquent on the subject, talking about how shocking it was and how wrong Trump was and that he is not a victim here. He talked about the big lies that are out there and said this is entirely Trump's fault, that the government was gentle with him and asked him politely for the documents back, et cetera, that it was shocking, the level of sensitivity of the materials that he was being so careless with. He went Really, he went there. Then Trey Gowdy. That was a surprise, yeah. Yeah. He said, well, look, I mean, the most damning part of this is what's on audio tape, Trump's own voice saying, yeah, I could have declassified these, but I didn't. Yeah, consciousness of guilt. You want to talk about knowledge and intent? I mean, those are the darlings of a prosecutor's nursery, and they came from Trump's own mouth. (laughs) That's what Trey Gowdy said, yes. So that's kind of interesting. By the way, Britt Hume was still a complete shill, but there you are. That's to be expected, I guess. But those those aren't the only ones. Um, We also saw Alan Dershowitz saying, look, this is an incredibly strong indictment. Really going to be a tough one. You had Jonathan Turley, who... And that, that's, that was another surprise, because another he surprise. has been a complete tongue-dragging sycophant. Correct. Until now. And yet, so on Thursday, which uh, was the day that the indictment was announced, Turley was on TV saying, well, they've done him a favor. They've given him a uh, talking point for his campaign, you know, that he'll pardon himself. Ha, ha, ha. That'd be a great campaign slogan. Yeah, wouldn't it? (laughs) Help Trump get off. I'm amazed that nobody's paying Turley for political advice. But then the next day, having read the indictment, he was much more chastened and said, look, this is really serious. He said, the Trump team should not delude themselves. This is a shot below the waterline. Extremely damning indictment. Extremely damning. Extremely damning. Who else? We had... National Review, which has not been anti-Trump, but it's been kind of anti-anti-Trump. And, you know, guys like Andy McCarthy, who have been, you know, written reams and reams about the unfair persecution of Donald Trump by the legal system is like, no, this is bad. Yeah. And points out the most damning evidence. McCarthy pointed out, does not come from never Trumpers or Joe Biden or, you know, the Democratic Party. It comes out of the lips of Trump's own lawyer who was trying to help him. He was trying to help him. Another one of the surprises, your your former colleague Ed Whelan from the Ethics and Public Policy Center. I mean, they have, you know, been, shall we say, you know, defensive of a lot of things that the Trump administration has done, but he's an influential conservative legal analyst. I mean, he still has people, you know, within that world who pay close attention. And he wrote, and you quoted him tweeting, I marvel at various leaps that people, including, I'm sorry to see people I like, 
are making claiming this case means the Presidential Records Act gives Trump protection against criminal prosecution. Uh, and then he goes on and says, there is nothing in the text or history of that law that supports the notion that it provides some sort of a substitute regime for former presidents that displaces criminal laws on classified matters. Torturing a district court ruling doesn't change that. So that was a shot across the bow. Absolutely. And his voice is very welcome, too. And so, look, you know, there were others. I mean, and then you had three, as you mentioned, I think earlier, there were three presidential candidates, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, and Asa Hutchinson. Asa Hutchinson, who made strong mm-hmm. statements. And Asa Hutchinson, God bless him, took, you know, went right after Vivek Ramaswamy for saying that uh, part of his campaign is now that he will pardon Trump. Yeah. And so he went after him. So you and I have talked endlessly, Charlie, about, you know, how the world might have been different if respected Republicans had done this kind of thing way back when, in 2015, in 2018, anytime before now. And they didn't. And I think the world would look very different if there had been more voices willing to do so. On the other hand, let's not miss that it's happening to a degree. It's happening now. And that is a change. This wouldn't have happened in 2020. And uh, arguably, you know, we've come a long way even from that moment, that awful moment in 2021, when Kevin McCarthy flew down to Mar-a-Lago to embrace Trump after January 6th. Well, we have a new Kevin McCarthy moment who's saying he has no problem with uh, with Donald Trump keeping the, the documents in a bathroom because <laughs> bathrooms lock. This is it. <laughs> the bathrooms lock. I did point out that it generally bathrooms lock from the inside, Indeed. Um, l- unless you're going to a gas station or something. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying that I think they you have to be in there to actually lock it. To listen to the rest of this episode of Just Between Us, become a Bulwark Plus member today. 